0: Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Habakkuk. Habakkuk in the Old Testament. It's not too far away from Matthew. So you go to Matthew in the middle of your Bible and take a left, turn backward, you'll find your way to Habakkuk. And turn, if you would, to chapter 3 in Habakkuk. It's not a book of the Bible we often find ourselves in. I'll give you a little extra time. Should have given you the the address before I talked about those other things. Habakkuk chapter three is where we're going to be at. How many of you over the past couple of months have found your heart to be grieved or hurting, um, maybe just tired, and in? You know, and I, specifically I think of COVID-19, um, there's a lot of turmoil in the world today. There's a lot of turmoil in the United States of America today. The message this morning I'm going to preach from the Word of God, though I, I'm i going to bring it to you this morning, specifically knowing where we're at as, as a country, and um I'm thankful for the peaceful protests that have taken place even yesterday. There was a, uh, Will Huey, one of our state troopers, called me up in the morning and he was quite concerned and he asked us to pray. But then later in the day he called me he said, it's a boring day. And I said, thank the Lord for that. And what he meant by that is it's a peaceful protest. People are exercising the First Amendment right and we're thankful for that, aren't we, for first, the First Amendment? and. Uh, and it was a it was a good day from all that I know. And uh, but there's so much division in our land and I'm finding that it's creeping into the church. Even going back a couple of months ago, when we first were unable to gather, and un- unable to assemble, I was concerned about unity within our church, loving one another. There's just something important about gathering together and looking one another in the eyes and seeing one another and. Um, so this morning, Dick Day, I was over there saying hello to these folks over here, and, and I was wearing my mask, and Dick Day said, uh, said what would you say? That's an improvement. That's what you said. You <laughs> said, that's an improvement. And uh, so you've encouraged my heart, Mr. Day. No, I'm teasing. It, it made me laugh. I got a good laugh out of it. But, uh, and, I, and I joked. Uh, we joked uh, a little bit, I think. Uh, Pastor Burden, I think, had interviewed me, and you watched the interview series, and we talked about wearing masks and not wearing masks, and and even how something like that could cause division within a church. And uh, you've heard about churches that are divided over the color of the carpet and silly things like that. Well, there are silly things, and then there are not silly things, but whether they're silly things or not silly things, there still can be division that finds its way into a church. So I want us to contemplate, looking at Habakkuk this morning, just how we ought to think when there's chaos in our our land, okay, and in our lives. Most of us have not been touched by this necessarily physically either, by the way. Um, Everything so far in Flint has been very peaceful. But what should we do in light of what's happening in our country today? And I think the book of Habakkuk, we find a message from God to an Old Testament prophet about his country. And his country was not the United States. It was the country of Judah, the southern kingdom. And Habakkuk had been watching his fellow countrymen turn their backs on God. When I say something like that, um, I think, have you ever turned your back on the Lord? Have you Yes or no? I have. In a moment in a day, in a moment of temptation, I've turned my back on the Lord before. Habakkuk here is he's he's living in a day, he'd watched his countrymen turn their backs on the Lord. He had heard them call evil good and good evil. And Habakkuk was witnessing those in authority breaking the laws of the land while being antagonistic against the righteous. I want to look at the text. Habakkuk chapter three is where I'll read, and we're we're going to look through multiple portions of Habakkuk, but before we pray, look at chapter three and verse seventeen. Verse 17. Verse 17, the Bible says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And he says to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. So it's a song. Let's pray, and and then we'll look at what Habakkuk dealt with. And specifically how God wanted him to think. And I really believe if we'll do this, it will be a great help to us as a church. And not just as an assembly of believers, but as we're out in the highways and byways throughout the week. And we're inundated by perspectives and opinions of all different sorts. Okay. Some that are in agreement with ours, which may or may not be right. And some that are coming from different directions. Okay, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us today. Lord, my heart is is grieved. My heart hurts for our for this nation that I love and the people that make up this nation that I love. Um, Father, I, I pray that you'd please help this land. Uh, Father, I believe you will, and I believe you want to do so through your people. And Lord, I know that we are as people of this land, we're being, seems like we're being pulled in and uh, pulled into a, the fray of, of arrogance and pride and contention. And Father, I pray that that would not be the case. I pray that we would love one another the way you have loved us. And what I pray that could be honored and glorified in we, your people, no matter what happens to this land that we love and the freedoms that we've cherished. Father, use your word today. I pray that you would glorify yourself, or I pray that you would teach us. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Habakkuk in the passage is confused. Okay, He's bewildered. He, he's concerned. And God gives Habakkuk three simple directives. And if we'll follow these directives, they were true for Habakkuk and they would be true for us today. They'll help us. And I believe they're actually quite profound. And, we, and so the, to answer the question, we'll look at these three directives. Uh, so what should we do? What, what should we do in the day that we're living? Well, number one, we need to be attentive. We need to be attentive. And we'll look at a passage in just a moment back in chapter one of Habakkuk. But it's important to be aware of what's taking place around us. We ought to know what's going on. And notice I'm not saying we ought to worry about what's going on. And and I would also also, uh, throw out a word of caution to us as God's people this morning. Don't be quick to come to conclusions either. I mean, uh, where are we supposed to get... Uh, it's important for us to be aware of what's going on around us, um, and yet, how should we do that? How should we be aware of what's going on around us? CNN, Fox News, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, right? I mean, and then you add in uh, social media or articles. If you're like me, you read articles. You have different sources of information that you go to for for information, for news. So you can be aware of what's going on, right? We all tend to do that. Um, and that's not what Habakkuk, you're probably surprised that Habakkuk doesn't mention Fox News or CNN, but he doesn't. Um, so we're to be attentive, though, to what God says. It's very important. We, we as God's people ought to be attentive, we ought to be listening, we ought to be searching and seeking what God says in our day. And this will be a help to us. In in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalteth the nation. Doing right exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So that's a hundred percent statement. Sin is always a reproach to any people. Whatever kind of sin it is, I'm not speaking this morning. Uh, and Our minds might be quick to say, you know what? You know, I can think of sin that's going on in our land. and That's the problem. Well, that may be sin. There may be. There's no doubt sin going on in our land. But we also ought to be in, in listening to what God is saying about sin in our lives. Let's see, righteousness exalted a nation. And we might ask ourselves this morning, should we expect those who have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and do not know his salvation and do not know his love, should we expect those folks to live righteously? Yes or no? No. Should we live righteously? Should God's people live righteously? In our thoughts, with the words that we say, the deeds that we do, the actions that we take, Yes, righteousness exalted the nation. This is very important. And I could stand here to, this morning, I suppose, rant about certain things. And I suppose you could stand and rant about certain things. In fact, why don't we just do that? We'll all pass by the mic and we'll all just kind of let off some steam. You know, I dare say if we did that even within this congregation, there would be more division when we were done than there would be unity. So be attentive, people of God, lovers of God, more than lovers of self, lovers of God more than lovers of a nation, lovers of God more than lovers of our way of life. Be attentive to what God says. Take time to be in his word. Take time to listen, and he will tell you what he is doing. I'm not saying that you should go home. If you hear voices, that's not him. okay. But if you look to his word, it will be God and God alone who is speaking and he will tell you what he's doing. Now, God had a very specific message for Habakkuk in the passage about what he was doing with the land of Judah, with that specific country of Judah. And Habakkuk was brokenhearted about the apostasy of his own country and about how, they, how his countrymen, the people of God, the people of Judah, the, the Israelites, I could even call them that, though they were in the southern kingdom, how they had turned their back on the truth and they had followed after idols. They had made idols and they had, they, they had sinned against God. And Habakkuk was brokenhearted about these things. And Habakkuk had been begging God to do something about it. And God's answer comes to Habakkuk and God was going to deal with his rebellious people by raising up a people more wicked than God's own people to chase in Judah. Look at chapter one and look at verse number five, Habakkuk one in verse five. And I'm going to read down through verse number 11. He says, behold, ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe. It's going to be hard for you to even believe this. Habakkuk, God is saying to Habakkuk, though it be told you, for lo, I raise up the the child, the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. uh, The Chaldeans would have been the uh, Iraqis, modern day Iraqis, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the eating wolves. Think about that. A horse that's more fierce than a wolf. Okay. We got some young children here. That's something for your imagination. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall suck up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be sworn unto them, for they shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. He's going to, they're going to, they're going to overtake Judah. They're going to overtake your land, Habakkuk. Because your people have turned away from God, they're going to overtake you. And they're going to praise their own false gods for for their victory over you. And Habakkuk struggles with what's going on, what God actually is going to do. How can a holy God use a wicked people to accomplish his will? Look at chapter 1 again in verse 12. I'll read down through verse 17. Art thou not... From everlasting, O Lord, Habakkuk asks, God, my God, mine holy one. We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue, when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. Verse 14, And makest man as the fishes of the sea, as the As the creeping things that have no ruler over them They take up all of them with the angle They catch them in their net And gather them in their drag Therefore they rejoice and are glad Therefore they sacrifice under their net And burn incense under their drag Because by them their portion is fat And their meat plenteous Shall they therefore empty their net And not spare continually to slay the nations And Habakkuk is just taken aback God has just told him this is what I'm going to do And Habakkuk Here's what God says he's going to do, and he's appalled, frankly. This is something that God has done throughout human history, and it seems to me that that is exactly what God is doing. God's people are excusing sin. God's people forsaking the assembling of themselves together for every reason under the sun and falling into idolatry and rebelling against God's authority. I'm talking about us. And I believe that God is raising up a people to turn his people back to him. Have you ever been guilty of worshiping the lifestyle that you have? I mean, loving it more than you love God. So ask God, God, what are you doing in our country? But be ready for the answer. I think we would agree this morning that Habakkuk would have been foolish not to listen to the message God had for him. God has a message from his word for us. We ought to take advantage of every opportunity to sit under the word of God and to listen to it taught and to go to it and read it and study it and ponder it. You know, hope for today, The hope for today series. I mentioned it in the announcements earlier this morning. Take time to ponder There's an activity that's taking place this afternoon with some of the uh, college age kids and they're going to make sure they're back in time to sit down at six o'clock and to listen to the word of God taught, even though it's online. It's important. The word of God. What I'm what I'm saying when when I mentioned, when I emphasized you be attentive, Habakkuk was in a situation where God spoke to him a very specific message about Judah. This is not specific to the United States of America. Don't read into that. But God gave Habakkuk a very specific message for the people of Judah. And Habakkuk was frankly appalled at what God was going to do. He was not in agreement. And he actually talks to God about that. Lord, why would you do this? How would you do this? I don't understand why you would do it this way. And as we do, and as we're attentive, God will give you hope. God will give you hope. He will give you and me hope. You will not find hope in CNN. You will not find hope in Fox News. You will not find hope in social media, even though there may be snippets of truth that are spoken here and there. You will not find hope there. You will find hope in the word of God. You will find hope in the God of the Bible, the God who is eternal, the God who is holy, the God who is just, the one who always does that what is right. Mankind does not always do what is right. We know that, don't we? Have we not ourselves participated in not doing what is right? More than we want to talk about or we'll remember? Be attentive to what he is saying. Psalm 42 and verse 11 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And there is a wonderful future, there is a glorious future. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know, within God's message of judgment, God gives Habakkuk hope. Glorious hope. Wondrous hope. And God tells Habakkuk several things. Look at chapter 2 in verse number 4. God tells Habakkuk, trust in me. Trust in the Lord. This is not new. This is Hundreds of years ago, and he's still telling us the same thing today. Look at verse number four in, in Habakkuk chapter two. He says, "Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. The justified, those who have been justified and declared righteous, shall live by his faith." What? How am I going to go through this? Habakkuk's overwhelmed. He's concerned. This is not a good, there's not a good outcome, not an immediate outcome. But God gives Habakkuk hope as he says to Habakkuk, I want you to trust in me. I want you to live by taking me at my word. And friend, I can't emphasize that enough. Trust the Lord in the smallest areas of your life say, well, I'm really, tr- I'm really struggling to trust God in these big areas of my life. I'm really struggling to trust God in the, with, and I'm going to speak plainly to you because I, we're a church family, but there are some, maybe within this room, and I don't know individuals specifically, who may be struggling with politicians and decisions that are being made or, or not being made. It seems like everybody in the world is struggling with some politician. At least ten. Okay? And uh, Maybe you're struggling with that. I'm not going to argue and debate you on which politicians you're struggling with and things that are being said or not being said or being done and not being done. Here's what I'm telling you. Habakkuk could do nothing about what God was going to do. But Habakkuk could do something about what he was doing and how he would respond to what God was doing. The just shall live by faith. And you know God's people have been living by faith before the Lord pleasing God almighty through all kinds of world history in the past haven't they yeah. Kings who were righteous kings who were wicked and yet through those reigns there were just men and women who lived by faith and pleased the Lord and trusted God those things were out of their control they trusted God and, they, and by that, I mean they did the right things. They did what they knew to be right. Church, let's, let's make that our mission. Let us decide, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what else is going to happen. I don't know where all this goes. I don't know where it ends up. I want our country to experience a great awakening. I haven't given up on that. It seems a long way away right now. I want our country to be united. I want our country, our fellow countrymen to love one another and respect one another and be gracious and kind to one another and loving one another, but to expect unsaved people to be Christ-like I think is just asking too much. But you and I we can trust the Lord and we can walk by faith. We can, and we should. And I can't help but remembering Habakkuk just doesn't agree with God's plan here. He doesn't like what's going on, and I don't blame him. Look back to chapter 1 in verse 13. He says, he's he's, he's disagreeing with God here in verse 13. He says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? This was Habakkuk's attitude. His attitude was, God, how could you let the Chaldeans come in and judge people who are more righteous than they are? This was Habakkuk's attitude. God was dealing with his people, the people of Judah. And apparently God, because God is just and makes no mistakes, he said, I'm going to allow the Chaldeans to come in. And I'm going to allow them to take the people of Judah into captivity. And by the way, make no mistake, God has been merciful and gracious with his people of Judah. He had given them time. He had given them the truth. They had not responded, not favorably. They had walked away. God had made a decision. I'm going to raise up a people to displace these people, to judge these people. God was working. And the back it says, "God, I don't agree. I don't understand this. This isn't right." Mm. Look at verse number 4, the beginning part. He says in verse 2 or chapter 2 verse 4, the beginning part, chapter 2 verse 4. He says, "Behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. Lord, how could you how could you allow these people there They're not right. I'm so tired of the wickedness. It's so sad to see the hatred amongst Americans, people, hating people, abusing people. It's terrible. Then God tells those of us who are trying to live in obedience to God what we must do at the end of verse four. And I've emphasized it. He says, trust me, the just shall live by his faith. You know, you can live each day this week vexed and concerned and and seeing some of the atrocities that we've seen ought to vex us. It ought to concern us. But do not miss what God is saying to you and me. Live by faith. You've been justified. You do what's right. You do what's right. We may not like what's happening in our nation, but we need to learn to live by faith. We need to take God at his word. We need to learn to depend upon him and to trust him. And we get the strong sense that Habakkuk was struggling with this message from the Lord. And he knows that this is hard for the prophet. God knows this is hard for him. And so God is telling Habakkuk to trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. We can have a renewed hope. We ought to have a renewed hope. And we will have a renewed hope as we trust him. I also noticed what he tells Habakkuk as God gives Habakkuk hope. And the hope is undergird by this truth that God is going to be victorious. Look at verse number 14 of chapter 2. Chapter two of Habakkuk, verse number 14, he says, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know what God is saying to Habakkuk there? I'm going to win. Righteousness is going to win. Someday, everything is going to be all right. Everything someday is going to be as it ought to be. That ought to bring great joy to our hearts this morning. Someday, everything is going to be as it ought to be. People will treat one another as they ought to be treated. People will love one another as they ought, as, as God commands us to love one another. Someday, that is going to happen. I long for that day. I look for that day. You know, at the end of Revelation, and there are some glorious parts of Revelation, and there are some very scary parts of Revelation. At the end of Revelation... John concludes with, amen, may it be so, all that's been said. And he says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. That Those words have been going through my mind and my heart over this week. Lord, please save us from ourselves. God wins. He's going to win. He's going to win. It's really a beautiful way that he puts it there in, in verse number 14. And then thirdly, in verse number 20, look at chapter two and verse 20. God encourages and he gives hope to Habakkuk that everything's going to be OK. You're in chapter two. Look at verse number 20. And I'm moving along quickly, but he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I think that would actually help us a lot. listen to the Lord. Stop talking so much. Listen to the Lord. Now that is one of the great problems with our society today. People do not listen to God. People are trying to create a utopia without God and rebellion to God. will never be anything close to a utopia without God listening to his word God is going to rule and reign and so God gives hope to Habakkuk and how does he do that he says well trust me and he reminds him I'm going to be victorious and everything's going to be okay I'm going to rule and reign someday so I encourage you to be attentive to what's going on but also I want to encourage you to be realistic look at chapter 3 secondly be realistic chapter 3 look at verses 1 and 2 it says this a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigeonoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. Habakkuk says, and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make known in wrath. God, I know you're bringing judgment, but Lord, he says, remember mercy. And not only are we to be aware of what's happening around us and be attentive to what God is saying, but we also need to be real. We need to be honest. We need to be genuine. Be realistic about what's happening. And I've heard all kinds of flipping comments about what's happening. I've heard comments about how it'll work out in the end. And I'm so, I've heard one person say, I'm so old, it's not going to affect me. What what does it matter to me? It's not really that bad. I've heard some say, are you aware of what's happening in our nation? Are you aware that our nation is divided? Splintered is a better word. It's not just divided, it's splintered. Look back to chapter one in Habakkuk, verses three and four. He says, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are they and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Psalm 11 in verse three says this, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In Proverbs 14 and verse 34, the Bible says righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I would ask you, all of us this morning, are you grieved by the state of our country? And I mean the sinful state of our country. I mean the hatred. I mean the disobedience and sin, the wickedness, the rebellion against God and his word. Are we grieved about that? And not just about when I say our country, I mean that includes us. Have you found yourself at all over the past couple of weeks and maybe even over the past few months? Have you found yourself in the quietness of your home, searching your own heart and praying, God, would you search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me? God, please lead me in the way everlasting. God, please have mercy upon us. But Lord, start to work in me. Do we find ourselves doing this? Or do we find ourselves pointing fingers at people, at others? We ought to be grieved, but we ought to be asking God to search our hearts as well. You know, Habakkuk was aware of the awful sinfulness of Judah. And he was attentive to what God was going to do. And as a result, Habakkuk was afraid. Look at chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. He's terrified because of what God is going to do. And so I would encourage you as you're going through this, and I'm telling you, be attentive, be aware to what God is saying primarily in his word. Be realistic about what's happening in our land. And, and I would say as you're being realistic and being sincere, being genuine, Be honest with God. Tell God how you really feel. Some of us are more prone to tell others how we really feel. We're we're more than willing to let our wife know how we really feel or let our husband know how we really feel or let our parents know or let our children know. We ought to let God know how we really feel. That's what Habakkuk does in verse two, the beginning part. He says, oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech and, and I was afraid. And Habakkuk tells God that hearing what God is going to do has made him terrified. I'd also encourage you to acknowledge that we deserve God's wrath. Beware of the, "we des- I deserve better than this attitude. Acknowledge that we deserve God's wrath. As a nation, Daniel did this, by the way, in the book of Daniel. He takes Responsibility. I think Nehemiah did the same thing. Acknowledge, Lord, we deserve this. We deserve worse than this, Lord. You know, for many, many years, this this country, which I love and would give my life for, and I cherish, this country has continually, systematically walked away from God. And our positions, our actual positions as a nation, in some places of government, taking down the Ten Commandments, teaching that there is no God and that we're all created, or not created, we've all evolved, and that life is not important. In fact, babies can be killed in the womb. I mean, these are positions that our nation has taken for many years now. Did we really think that we could just continue on like that and and just say, you know, it's not me, not me. And that God would not address a nation like that. And God has addressed Israel like that. He addressed Israel. He has addressed other nations. He is a just God, is he not? He's not a respecter of persons. I don't want you to be sad, but I want us to be realistic. Realistic. And I think, I think in some in some ways, I think people are, are being quick to say, well, you know what? It's it's, the, it's that it's that group, or it's that group. And there are groups involved. Don't get me wrong. There are groups involved. And groups have agendas. But you know what? The Chaldeans had an agenda. God allowed it to happen because Judah, been how she was. So acknowledge that we deserve God's wrath. In the midst of the years, in the midst of these years, is what Habakkuk is saying in the middle part of verse 2, in wrath. And Habakkuk doesn't argue with God. In fact, in agreement with God, no, he's in agreement with God that the land of Judah deserves the wrath of God. And we can choose to either agree with God or we can disagree with God. We ought to agree with him because he's always right. So we're either in agreement with him or we're not. We deserve God's wrath. It's a miracle that God hasn't wiped America out before now. It it saddens my heart. But our country has turned her back on God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, which means rash, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. (laughs) Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We deserve the wrath of God because we have been turning away from God for some time. I also notice in verse 2 that he asks for mercy. You see it in verse 2 of chapter 3. He says in wrath... Remember mercy I love that you ought to pray that this week God in wrath Would you please remember mercy Would you please have mercy upon us You know we deserve wrath But we but he's asking for mercy Psalm 103 and verse 8 I love this psalm It says this the Lord is Merciful How many of you in this room believe that our country Our fellow countrymen Us included That we need the mercy of God Do you believe that yes or no I need the mercy of God. I'll be the first one to say, I need the mercy of God. Our countrymen in our, this country, this land needs the mercy of God. And he says, The Lord is merciful. And then he says, And gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He says it twice. So tell God how you really feel as you're being realistic. Acknowledge that we deserve God's wrath. Ask for mercy. And then in the middle part, he asks for revival. You see it there in verse 2, the middle part Oh Lord, revive thy word In the midst of the years In the midst of these years In the midst of this situation God, would you revive It again You know, revival, I've told you this before Is not for unsaved people Revival is for God's people To live again To live again When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior He gave you everlasting life And He gave everlasting life to me The moment I receive Jesus Christ, I pass from death unto life. Think about that. That's what we have as God's people. I am not primarily a a citizen of the United States, though I am. And I would gladly give my life for her. I am primarily a citizen of heaven. A pilgrim on this earth just passing through the glory land where I will praise and worship God forever and serve him and love him for all of eternity. But we ought to ask for revival. I pray that there be a great awakening in this land, an awakening to truth, an awakening to righteousness. And I mean truth across the board, not just in areas where I think our countrymen need it more than others, but truth across the board. Oh, how glorious and wonderful that would be. And we ought to pray for that, pray to that end. But you know, it would be wonderful if our countrymen could see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. It really, would be wonderful. It'd be wonderful if they could see selflessness in us, a genuine love and compassion for people in general in us. Revive Thy work in the midst of. I think it's in Psalm 85 and verse 6 where the psalmist says, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Bring us back to normal, Lord. And bring us back to that place of life where we're rejoicing in you and loving you, that we would rejoice in glory in you. Well, you know what? I would really glory if... Political things in this world and this country lying just the way I want them. That would cause me to rejoice. That's how he says. Do I really rejoice if the things that happened in this country happened the way, just the way I want them to? Then that would make me rejoice. Call me to rejoice in you. Bring me back to normal, that I might rejoice in you. There's one last truth, and we'll be done. Be attentive. Be realistic, and I can't leave you without this one. Be positive. Be positive. We need to be attentive to God's message from his word. We need to be realistic about our country's condition. We also need to be positive. Now, how are we supposed to be positive when things aren't going our way, right? Whatever way that is. I'm talking to people in general because there's, variety, there's diversity within this congregation today. I mean, how can God's people be positive unless it all just works out exactly the way I want it to? And I think as I as I look at Habakkuk here, I think the answer is, number one, ponder God. Think upon him. Look at chapter three in verses three and four. He says, God came from Teman and the Holy One from the Mount of Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. Now for a moment, Habakkuk, he's been thinking, he's been grieved, he's been afraid as he's thought about the reality of what's going to come. But for a moment here, what do we find him doing? He's just pondering upon God. Look at verse number, verse number four, and his brightness was as the light. His brightness was as the light. So I tell you today, think about your Lord and Savior. Dwell on him. Read psalms. Read a a psalm every day this week. Ponder him. Ponder his goodness. Ponder his majesty. Ponder his power, his ability. Ponder his glory. Ponder him. Think upon him, how he never changes. Think about him in a day where you might be concerned and vexed with unrighteousness. Ponder he who is righteous. He who is in control. In Habakkuk chapter 3, this we have this beautiful poetry and he's contemplating the greatness of God. And the only way that a child of God can be positive as we watch our nation in such chaos is to think about who God is and about how amazing he is, and about how able he is, and about how sufficient he is, and about how good he is good. When you look around and you question the goodness of man, remember that the one who knows you, and who has upheld you, and who has saved you, he is good. He's merciful and gracious, and then rejoice in him. The book of Habakkuk ends with Habakkuk contemplating the devastation that was coming upon the people. And his heart was grieved, and his physical body actually shudders. Look at chapter three and verses sixteen and seventeen. He says, "When I heard what he heard, what God said, he says, my belly trembled. He was he was sick. He was sick. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble." When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. He's sickened. He's disgusted. But then come these words in verse 18 that are so powerful, and they're an admonition for every one of us. Look at verse 18. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. And God's people, that's what we need to do. All through this room, and all through this coming week or weeks, you pray as I preach this same message to the next group at 11 o'clock. Pray that this verse 18 would describe and define us as a congregation, would define me as a pastor, that I'd not be overwhelmed by fear, or that I'd not be overwhelmed by vain imaginations and evil surmisings. Jimmy, I know what you really think. We're not on the same page. Dick Day, I know where you're. I'm not exactly I don't know where Dick is. I don't know. I wonder, I wonder what your take is, Josh. You know what? We are all different. We all have different perspectives. We've all come from different places. We're all going to the same place. And we're all the same body. It's not my body. It's not your body. We're not made to look like me or you. We have been ordained to look like Jesus Christ. Do you want that? Because I'm telling you, we can have this. In an age of division, we can have this. Oh, that we would be rejoicing in the Lord, enjoying in the God of our salvation. Look at verse number 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. Stop there, and he gives his address. Nothing had changed from what God had said. And Habakkuk went from being afraid to, to disagreeing with God. Now he says, I'm going to rejoice in you. And I'm going to leave it all in your hands. How many of us know that what's happening is in God's hands? How many of you know it's not in your hands? How many of you know that? So this morning, why don't we as a congregation say, Lord, we're grieved. We may be grieved for a lot of things. These things are not in my hands. I'm giving them over to you. I'm going to trust you.